0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
0: Brandon from Windsor says, Bob, the odds of the Oilers getting Patrick Kane are about the same as Calgary getting Nazem Kadri. Well, I believe Calgary is one of the three teams that's really in on Kadri right now. Obviously, everybody knows that the Islanders are. A lot of people think he's already got a deal, cooked with Lou Lamarillo. And, uh, you know, Colorado's a given as well. Keep Texas at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Uh And this text comes in saying, Bob, although 29 and 97 did a number on Calgary last year in the second round, I can't believe Calgary's goaltender uh, let them down. I expected better. You know what? So did I. So did I. As we head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show David Staples.
1: David, how are you? I am terrific, Bob. I was out doing the stairs in uh, Willowdale. The Willowdale Wall—we call it the heart of stairs. And who did I see but Kelly Buchberger? Man, is that guy in shape, Bob. <laughs> He's
0: still with Lavelle, coaching Lavelle.
1: Yeah, he said he said he was. Um, he looks like he could go on the gla- in the uh, Roman Coliseum and kill Maximus like any day, any minute. Yeah, I,
0: I, uh, I I'm going to be seeing him on Friday. Uh, we have an Oilers Partners event. Uh, so I'm looking forward out of the quarry, so I'm looking forward to seeing him there. David, uh, the orders, and, and, and here's the genesis of the conversation here. I, I just said, like, theoretically, uh, the rumors of the Flames' demise to me are greatly exaggerated. I, I Like, I know Goodrow signed uh, somewhat surprisingly, I think, with, uh, with Columbus. And, uh, you know, the Flames had to trade Matthew Kachuk. I think they got a terrific return in that deal. Huberto and Weger, they got Huberto extended. We'll see if they get Uyghur extended. You know, I I got to tell you, if they get Nazem Kadri, if, and maybe it's a long shot, but in my opinion, they'd have a better team than they had last year in the playoffs against Edmonton. What about you?
1: I agree. I think if they get Calgary, that's a fair statement. And Bob, I thought that the weakness of Calgary in the playoffs was defensively, and it was their defensemen. They were were built for the regular season. They were too slow in the playoffs to get it done. And um, I think they really missed Giordano. I don't think they you know they had a great season in the regular season but when push came to shove in the playoffs they just didn't have that guy who could really shut you down like giordano could and i they may have replaced him with Mackenzie weger i'm not that familiar with the player except that reputation but yeah. yeah i think he's an outstanding puck mover and defender and you know he's been one of the in the top 20 25 demon in the nhl for a couple years now so that's you know we'll see how huberdo does i think he's a he's obviously a good replacement for um gaudreau they're going to miss kachuk though what he brought but they have added Uyghur and that's fills a huge hole in my mind on that team because i didn't think they were that great on defense i think they really had a hole there and he might plug that hole
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I I, I am still, (laughs) not that I'm not enjoying it, because I am enjoying it. I mean, I'm employed by the Oilers Entertainment Group. This show's called Oilers Now. I I want, you know, I want Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver to have the top three teams in the Pacific Division every year, right? But I want the Oilers to win the Pacific. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching what happened in the five-game series. I got to tell you, even two months plus past it, I'm still a little bit in shock how quickly it turned on the Calgary Flames because they had such a good regular season. They win game one, you know, 9-6. Uh, Mike Smith was fighting it big time in that opening game. They got off to the 3-1 lead in game two, and I thought, oh, boy. And instead, Edmonton just kind of took over the series and played as though they knew they weren't going to lose the rest of the way, that they always could come back regardless of what they were facing in the final four games, David.
1: Who would have bet Bob that Mike Smith would outplay Jacob Markstrom? Like yes. hardly anyone. Almost all the experts picked the Flames to beat the Oilers in that series. Who would have bet that the Flames, that the Oilers would be the more physical team? Would be you know stand up every inch of the way to the Flames in that series and and sometimes give them better than they got. I mean Evander Kane really came to the forefront, to McDavid obviously. But uh, yeah, Calgary. Markstrom's play was was shockingly bad. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. He just let in so many weak goals that were back breakers. You know, they'd come down that wing, uh, down the left side, and they'd shoot it on him, you know, just above his pad, and they were beating him consistently. And uh, we hadn't, I hadn't seen that all year from Jacob Markstrom. He, he had a really great regular season, and he fell apart in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to – you know, probably wouldn't happen again, but it happens now and then to goalies. So I was glad it happened then. And I, and, and I was glad afterwards. Like, the, the whole meltdown of the Flames was so unexpected. But from a flame an Oilers fan perspective, which is what I am. It was kind of satisfying on a certain level.
0: All right, so I gotta ask you this uh, because you do hear from the fans on the cult of hockey website uh, between the work that you uh, and as you know, I read kurt every uh, every Sunday morning and he gets lots of feedback um, has has the perception changed of Ken Holland? I mean, three years ago when he took over, uh, there were a lot of people in in, in a lot of the younger people out there who maybe are guilty of being a little bit ageist at times sort of dis- were dismissed as saying the man's lost his fastball look how it unraveled and look the body of work in detroit wasn't great in the final few years but we don't know if the owner who is was who was getting on in age wasn't sitting there telling them forget about tomorrow i need to win today some people think that's what's going on in las vegas Um uh, and and one of the things Holland said is you gotta have patience when it comes to picks and you don't give up your first rounders and lo and behold, David, here we are, you know, Penticton tournament and Edmonton has four first round picks going to the Penticton tournament. That's never happened before. Um, their last four years worth of picks. So I gotta ask you, what's what's the perception out there in the public of Ken Holland right now?
1: I don't think it's ever been better, but surprisingly, Bob, um, it was It was at its lowest point in the l a series. I think there there's a there is a good chance, and I you know I don't talk to Daryl Cates, but I think there's a good chance if the orders had lost that series to the Kings and it was hanging in the balance that Ken Holland might not be the GM today. And um, fans were turning against them, left, right, and center. Um, there's always been a group of fans who don't like him because you know, the people who are into shot shares analytics, um, they've never liked the fact that that's not his cup of tea that he you know that's not the air that he breathes but uh, the air that he breathes is patience and development and this year uh, maybe he just got lucky I don't know but it's sure that patience really paid off I mean the patience with Pulley you know, brought him back—a player that the Oilers would have gotten rid of um, for pennies on the dollar. He came back and was a, a big contributor through the, especially for the first part of the year. His his acumen and his patience and his smarts with Evander Kane, bringing him in, taking the heat from for, for that move, which a lot of NHL GMs were too frankly cowardly to take. Um, he he stepped up and he made that move, and it paid off. And then his biggest example of patience this year was the whole thing with Mike Smith. I mean, <laughs> Who wasn't questioning what was going on with everyone. the bull everyone, everyone was. Everyone was. I was, you know, constantly and saying, you know, it, send him to the, send Mike Smith to the miners. I'm sure you could go back to Oilers now and, and you will find me saying that at one point. And and um maybe there wasn't any real alternatives that Holland had seriously, although everyone, you know, thought Stuart Skinner should be given a go, but Holland stuck with Mike Smith and that paid off huge in the playoffs. He was the best goalie the first uh, against l a and against Calgary, and um they won those two series so Ken Hall and I don't know maybe he flipped the coin and he got heads eight times in a row, and it won't happen again, but I do think the patience the, the his method I think you can see a method there it's not just luck. He's talked about patience, and he showed that patience through the regular season. And with these players and with people, he's got a reputation. He brings players in, Bob, and he always gives them a chance. People, I think he's he's fair with people, and I think his kind of man-management skills are – people are starting to respect it, and and we're seeing the payoff from that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right, because there's a certain segment of the population right now that always wants to be conceivably on the right side of the – every issue, and maybe doesn't want to give people second chances in life, um, and believe me, at one time or another, everybody's going to need a second chance, because you never really know what anybody's going through, but the one thing I, just, uh, there's another illustration of patience, and it comes, it comes, like, you know what, Ken Holland, and I've had this conversation with him, the whole thing on the Athens U trade back in 2019, Right? They gave up two number twos. Like if they'd just given up one, I think that would have been more palatable. It didn't work out, but you can't double down, so they didn't resign the guy for too much because the cap froze at that time. But that said, they've, they've still got all their number ones from the last four years. And David, and I know we've talked about this privately, Edmonton and Minnesota, the top 12 teams in the league last year, were the only teams that made a number one pick in 19, 20, and 22. Of the top 12 teams, like everybody else had moved, even LA, who, and by the way, you mentioned the LA series. There's one major reason why LA hung around without Drew Doughty and Victor Arvidsson in that series. And that's because Todd McClellan put on a master class in coaching. He got his team, he knew his team couldn't do it. Like, think about it, Daryl Sutter's won Stanley Cups in LA, but the uh, the Calgary Flames played Edmonton's game in that series. Right, they did. They opened it up. They traded chances. L.A. didn't play that. L.A. No. Had, L.A. got blown out in one of the games, but L.A. had to shrink. Actually, two of the games L.A. got blown out, but the Kings had the shrink wrap on the Oilers at times and created a lot of uh, transition opportunities off of neutral zone turnovers like that. L.A. did a good job in that series. But where I'm going with this is Edmonton's sitting here, David. You look at Toronto. All we hear about is how great Kyle Dubas is, and look at—they got ten guys in analytics. They have one first-round pick from the last four years, and they haven't got a playoff series win. And the Oilers go into the conference final, and oh, by the way, they got all their first-rounders dating all the way back to 2013 in the organization currently
1: yeah and just to, just to touch briefly on the LA thing that they have got a ton of young talent in that organization and and one of the players who really stood out of course was Mikey Anderson who who's hated in Edmonton right now right like when when i think when oiler fans like if you might have a maybe you have a nightmare and it's Mikey Anderson throwing Leon Draisaitl to the ice and if, you know, if there's a revenge fantasy heading into the year for the I Edmonton mean, Oilers, it's like, can someone get that Mikey Anderson and knock his block off kind of thing? So, but they have got a ton of young talent. Um, but as to the Oilers with all their draft picks, the other good thing about it, Bob, is so far they're all trending pretty well. I mean, uh, Xavier Bargo looks like a highly, highly skilled hockey player. He looks like he can, he's going to make it in the NHL. Dylan Holloway... Um, Unfortunately got hurt, but he in, in his last year of uh, college hockey, he was one of the best players uh, in college hockey. He was flying out there, and he's a great big kid who can fly. And Philip Brobery is the same thing, great big guy with all kinds of skill. So not only did they hold him, but it looks like you know the key thing is making good picks, and we won't know for a while but if two or if two out of those three guys pan out which i don't think is a bad bet that's huge for the oilers because again as we all know they're not going to be able to hold on to all their good players as they as they become a good team a great team because of, because of the cap
0: Oh, bye-bye. Oh, bye. Yeah, no, I know. We're just going to pull something up. Um, the other day, Jay Woodcroft was on the show. I asked him a question because the Texers were texting in on the Ashley Fine Flores text line uh, specifically about where we're at right now with Leon Drysaddle as well as Darnell Nurse, who uh, played through injury, as we all know, uh, through the course of the second and third round of the playoffs. And here's Jay Woodcroft's response. I had uh, breakfast with Darnell nurse in Toronto um, last week he seemed to be in good spirits he had just uh, come through um, Get, getting, you know, married. getting married yeah getting married and uh, he's working hard up in Aurora with the Gary Roberts group um, he's skating uh, he's progressing i don't I didn't ask him if he's ninety five percent or a hundred percent but I think he feels good uh, in where he's at in heading into uh, our NHL training camp in five weeks. Um, that's the impression that I got. I believe that Leon is uh, heal, healing uh, along the same lines that he's he's progressing. He's you know those those guys are workaholics in the yeah. gym, and uh, they're both on the ice. So I, I would expect to have both of them uh, fully healthy for the start of training camp. All right, there you go, 119 in Edmonton. We're going to re-engage David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. And, uh, David, I know you wanted to uh, you wanted to jump aboard on this. And, you know, so th- there you have it. I mean, it's obviously we all want to make sure that both guys are – I mean, is that not just the residual cost? Guys play through injury come playoff time and you deal with it
1: down the road? Yeah, and it was interesting, Bob, because I was in that group of fans. Like, uh, Dreisaitl um, was playing on one leg. And um, nurse, kind of the same same deal, and uh, you know, against the abs, especially Darnell Nurse struggled, and it got to the point where I was wondering, you know, you know, should they, you know, uh, play Kulak on the top pairing instead, or and bump him down, or even have Darnell Nurse sit out a game? They beat L.A. in Game Six without Darnell Nurse, such were, such were his struggles, and I've been thinking about it a lot since then, and I just think they they really did make the right move in that, um, you know, we always hear about Stanley Cup teams, what they have to go through to win in terms of team building. And I think in the end, in the long term, although it may have held them back you know, possibly um, this year. I don't think they were, the the car, you know, it wasn't going to happen this year because of those injuries anyway. But the fact that these two huge core players played through injury uh, throughout the playoffs has got to set, I think, an enduring kind of example for this entire Oilers team about how to suck it up and get it done in the playoffs. And even though they didn't, you know, Drysaddle obviously had really good moments in the playoffs, but even though they weren't close to their A games, I think that example is going to make a huge impression on the Edmonton Oilers going forward. I'm reading, the, listening to this book right now, an audio book, Craig Custance's um, Behind the Bench, where he interviews all these top coaches. And you just really get a sense of the team building and the sacrifice, the coming together on a team, how crucial that is. And it just, it has me thinking, like, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of moment where people step up and kind of do something incredibly difficult, even heroic, by, you know, in the NHL world playing through that kind of pain. And I, th- I think it was a huge moment for the franchise, uh, those two guys sticking it out and playing uh, hockey. Uh,
0: Dave, just want to pass along, just on, uh, so you're, you're heard... Jay Woodcroft mostly talk about Darnell Nurse. Uh, Josh, who's part of the Two Mutts podcast, has just sent a text in saying, Gary Roberts just posted a video this morning of Leon Settle on Instagram. He was on the ice, and he's looking good. So there you go. He is uh, skating, and obviously uh, with Gary Roberts' group, which I believe is in Aurora. Uh, yeah. Is that where it's at? So there you have it. All right, so uh, the situation is what it is. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know, we're still... Uh, uh, we're still a little ways away, uh, but it is interesting, David. I'm going to do a little bit of a trip down memory lane. Five years ago yesterday, Leon Drysaddle signed an eight-year extension at $8.5 million. Uh, I, you know, when McDavid signed his eight-year extension at 12.5, everybody was stoked, right? Signs for the max term obviously took less money than he could have. Uh, I think at that time the most he could have made was maybe $13.25 million, and he signed for 12.5. million. Uh, But that was on, like, July 3rd or July 4th of that year uh, in 2017. And conversely, here we go, you know, Leon Dreisettle signed in the middle of August 8.5 times 8, and that got panned by a lot of people out there. What a difference a few years makes, eh?
1: Yeah, I don't quite understand it. There was always a group of people who were not that keen, not as keen on Dreisidel as they were, let's say, even on Nugent Hopkins. Like I can remember a time early on in Leon's career where where people would say, "Well, we should trade Leon Dreisidel, We should trade him and Darnell Nurse in a first pick and get PK Subban." You know, the, these kind of trade suggestions. So there was there was a certain he was his name was constantly coming up. Um, with people who just, they didn't really think he was going to pop as a player. I, From the moment he came here, from the moment I saw him and I went to the development camp in Jasper, he was amazing. Like I'd never seen a player make backhand passes like that in my life. And just his size and speed. And it, and it translated, I thought, very quickly to the NHL. But there there was a faction of fans at that time. And, and, and I think they've obviously since changed their mind, but they were really unhappy with that deal. That deal now, I think it's, it's fair to say, it's not the best contract in the nhl i think nathan mckinnon's contract um probably supersedes it because he's only getting about six million a year and then there's devon Taves, who's one of the best nhl defensemen and then he's getting like four million and change so there's a, there's some better contracts but leon's contracts in the top 10 in the nhl it is one of the best contracts he's, out, he's outperforming it by two three four million a year and and with McDavid wasn't it like couldn't he have signed for 15 million Bob that's my memory but I could be incorrect on that I'm not it isn't the maximum 15 but I'm not I'm not sure because he did take a he took considerably less than he could have taken so
0: Sorry, there you go. I, I'm just trying to think of how it all transpired with Nathan McKinnon when he got his contract extension done. So he signed a three-year deal uh, for 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, um, and then on July 8th of 2016, he signed the seven-year deal at 44 million. And of course, the first year of that deal in 16-17, they had a horrendous year. That year, he got like
1: thirty-five points. They didn't a, he?
0: They had, like, and I don't think he even killed it. Just, I'm just thinking coming out a lot. I'm, now I'm going to have to look up the numbers on the fly here for McKinnon. But I, I you know, everybody. I think we knew he was going to be pretty good, but there was. You know, he'd, he'd gone, he gone, there were some hard miles there for Nate McKinnon for a couple of years, and people kind of forget that. Uh, so he signed the deal after his third year, uh, and that was a 21-goal, 52-point season in 72 games. Okay? Yeah. So, so Drysettle had 77 points and 13 points in 16 playoff games. Yeah. Or no, 16 points in 13 playoff games, right? So he had a 77-point regular season, if I recall correctly, and then added 16 more points. So he'd actually been far more productive than McKinnon had been to start his... uh... Now, McKinnon had the better first year.
1: So, yeah. 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 You know, the, the contract that's most comparable to the Dreisaitl contract, I think, is the Victor Hedman contract. So you have another well, – Vic, uh, Victor Hedman's either the first or second best defenseman in the league, like Dreisaitl's either the first or second best center in the league. And uh, he's getting paid, I think, just under $8 million a year. So you have these incredibly good players. You, I'm sorry. David, i got to disagree with you. I don't know how you compare a defenseman to a, a center.
0: I well, it, to me it's you got to compare D with D and and centers was you know forwards or forwards I think it's Well yeah, I'm just
1: comparing it in terms of like a great contra- like a great player who's underpaid by 2 or 3 million a year in my opinion so that's the that's the comparison so I mean it is hard to compare like Devon Taves I think like he has such a unique situation but man that guy is so underpaid he is such a fantastic hockey player and I think that that's the best contract okay. in the NHL right now
0: David great stuff how do people follow you
1: uh, at, they call cult the hockey on Twitter. Uh,
0: the Fizzler uh, wanted you to – did one of the councillors say something about the police or something recently <laughs> and there was
1: something going on in the news? I don't know what it was. Uh, but they're always wanting – some. there's a certain faction, Bob, who wanted to defund the police. It's ongoing. Uh, Come on. I think right. – I, I, and I, I, I shouldn't say that. Like, like I think they Small do, but screen. I'm not even that sure about that. Small like, screen. yeah. Oh no, no. I remember this is about the email. Someone, someone retweeted some, something where the, one of the councillors uh, retweeted a, a a tweet which where the where the police were referred to as pigs. Yeah, not cool. And he got in trouble for that. That was Counselor Michael Jan. So and he's apologized for that. And when people apologize, I take it. I I accept their apology. We all screw up in life. We, we need to apologize, and if we do so promptly and uh, sincerely, that's good enough for me. All
0: right. All I want
1: to say is Justin Trudeau will apologize to Alberta. Anyhow, I, <laughs> take care. See you, Dave. I hope so. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. That's uh, head off to a Global News, Weather, Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, uh, the Assistant General Manager of the Edmonton Oilers, Brad Holland, you're listening to Oilers Now.